Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, my friends, to episode 22 of Jock Talk. Can I tell y'all something? It's been a late night and an early morning for your boys, but I'm rocking and rolling and ready to go, and I hope you guys are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so. Uh, Joe, how you, how you rolling today? I don't know about dazzling, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make it though. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> it was a late night with them late night with them Rangers, you know. I'm gonna be about as dazzling. Hey, it's gonna as be a late night. I uh, say I like that. This uh, uh, we had the Rangers last night. They're now in the World Series. In case you've been up under a rock, which means probably two more weeks of uh, occasional late nights and early mornings as we see if the Rangers can capture the first World Series championship in franchise history. Uh, you know, if, uh, oh, before I forget, uh, check out my book, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders and the Making of Men. It's at bookstores. It's wherever you find books, Walmart, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I spent six months last year, Jackson, Mississippi, hanging out with Deion Sanders, the Jackson State Tigers, um, the sonic boom of the South, chronicling their quest for perfection and uh, all the things and he gave me total access so I was in the locker rooms I was in the meeting rooms I was on the sideline and you want to know why Colorado is rocking right now my book explains it all and a lot of those guys who are, who are in the book are now in Colorado including their, their famous kicker Alejandro Mata you can hear his story about how uh, Jackson State became the only team to offer him a scholarship anyway book is available wherever you find books uh, it's a great read because it takes you places no one has ever taken you on a college sideline. Uh, now, I also got to tell you, if you're involved in a car accident or a workplace accident or an accident anywhere that's not your home and it's not your fault, just trust me on this. Pick up the phone, call 972-934-8900 and talk to the green team. That's greeting law. Just tell them your situation. Say, I mean, just lay it out. Hey, here's what happened to me. What do you think? And I'm telling you, if they bring you on as a client, it's been a great day for you. Here's why. They will walk you through the process. Because this process, uh, if you've been through it, if you haven't been through it, the friends have been through it, my boy Matt McLaren went through it, it can be long. His thing lasted almost two years. It can be intimidating dealing with somebody else's insurance company. Uh, it can be a tedious process. It can be a little scary at times. And if you're not totally prepared to have somebody walk you through it, dude, it can just be a, a, a terrible process. So, you let the folks at Greening Law handle it for you. They will set doctor's appointments for you. They'll tell you what to expect. I like to tell y'all this. They answer questions that you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. Did you hear that? You don't even know you're supposed to ask it, and they're giving you the answer. They're real like that. And here's the deal. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Did you hear that? They don't collect a nickel, a dollar, a quarter unless you get paid. 
So you don't ever have to wonder, like, are they working in my behalf? Where am I on the priority list? You are numero uno on their priority list. Trust me on that. Uh, but you don't have to take my word for it. Seriously, you don't. You can go to greeninglaw.com. You can check out the website, see all the fantastic things that Robert Greening and the Green team are doing. And you can take it from there. Um, but I'm telling you, Robert Greening, the Green team, if you've been hurt in an accident and it's not your fault, they are the people to call and help you through. Uh, football, baseball, it's rare, 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 like a white tiger or a white lion that we spend this portion of the season, late October, like a week before Halloween, talking Texas Rangers baseball. It's been at least, I don't know, a decade since we did that. Uh, now, I have, I have a bone to pick with people in general. This just popped in my head, bro, because I heard it this morning. Uh-oh. But I, I just kinda, it just kind of went into my subconscious. No, it's not like that. It, it, but it kind of relates to the Cowboys, too. But I get it, but it's still like an annoyance to me. And that's, um, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this properly. That's what we put on sports teams. So, example. The Rangers go down three to two. They have that gut wrenching loss um, in Game Five, where they're up four to two. They're going into the ninth. They they have a chance to take a three two lead going into Houston. Everybody is hyped. Everybody's excited. Everybody's like, yes, 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 yes. And then single walk homer. They're down five four. They lose the game, and everybody's like. Man, this reminds me of Game 6, St. Louis World Series. Nelson Cruz lose the ball. We lose the game. Man, we're never going to win. Same old Rangers. Blase, blase. They don't go to Houston. They're going to lose. They got no chance now. Blase, blase, blase. Here's my only problem with that. If this were 2013 or 14, that conversation would make sense. Why? you probably got the same core players. And so it makes for a normal comparison. All the guys on that team are like special assistants to Chris Young now, Michael Young, Ian Kinsler. You know, they brought Wanga, you know, I mean, Juan Gonzalez, he was long gone. But what I'm saying is this team is a decade removed. It has literally nothing aside from Rangers on the front of their jersey or Texas on the front of their jersey to do with anything that happened a decade ago. And so we do the same thing with the Cowboys. Oh, well, they're not going to do this. They're going to do this. And you're really frustrated by what either Tony Romo did. You know, Tony Romo has been gone like eight years now. Or you're frustrated by what happened, uh, you know, in the Bill Parcells era. Or you're sitting around pining for the Jimmy Johnson era. And I'm like, you know, when people say, hey, we need Jimmy to come back. I'm like, dog, real talk now. Do you realize Jimmy been gone like 30 years? Like, this is not like just reach back and grab him. Like, he been gone 30 years. His hair is snow white. <laughs> He's 80 years old. That ship is sailed. His past is gone. Just deal with this Cowboys team. And so a lot of the, lot of the frustration you get with this Cowboys team is based off of 30 years of frustration that Dak and this collection of players, for the most part, it don't really have that much to do with them. They're just uh, getting the, the remnants of it. And so I felt the same way about the Rangers. Does that make sense to you, Doc? 
Nah, I think uh, I had to disagree a little bit. I'm not. I'm not frustrated with Dak because with all oh, these Cowboys because of the 30 years ago. Uh, just a quick aside on that. Nah, they suck on their own. Uh, <laughs> so I think the Rangers' energy. It depends on who you talk to with the Rangers' energy. Um, a lot of people that I that I watch and I talk to. We celebrate the Rangers right now. That's the big deal on that. We celebrate. I mean, win, lose, or draw, a lot of people came out the woodwork to celebrate the Rangers. Well, I think that's, I think that's true. And I think, I mean, if we're going to be honest, hell, you probably one of the people that came out the woodwork. And that's oh, cool. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. That's why I say it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying about people kind of being down about it. But, man, it's really – it's amazing the celebration. Like I say on my feed, on my Facebook page and my feed, a lot of people, I know the people who are true Rangers fans, right? Live and die Rangers. And then I know the people who are posting, yeah, hey, Rangers that, that are like me, that came out the woodwork. So I kind of disagree on the, the energy thing On my from my perspective. It's been a lot of positive energy. I think win, lose, or draw, people would have went crazy anyway. All right, well, I was sitting around thinking about this morning uh, while I was working out, and I was I was trying to figure out why are the Rangers in the World Series? Um, you know, I, and I was trying to put some tangible things behind. Like I think, and and I'm talking like not just from the regular season, like since the playoffs, what happened that put them into the World Series? Because you know they ended the season on a disappointing note, um, and people just went bananas. Because they lost the last game, I just, uh, and especially after their brief, you know, quasi celebration after making the playoffs, and people just went nuts because they lost the last game to uh, Seattle when they had a chance to wrap up the division. Ah, oh, they shouldn't have celebrated. Uh, that's why they didn't win. They weren't focused. And I was just like, oh yeah, full of poop, man. And here's the reason: they lost one nothing. They didn't lose, and both I think both teams had four hits, no errors. They didn't lose 10 to 2. They didn't lose 5 to 3 with four errors. They played a well-played a well-played game. Seattle decided to play and not throw a pity party. They got mad like, "Oh, you wrecked our season, we finna wreck yours." And they threw one of their best pitchers. They didn't throw some bum up there. They threw a guy who I think won 13 games this year, and they beat him one nothing. And so I wasn't mad about, you know, yeah, you disappointed they didn't win the division. But I wasn't mad at them like, oh, they celebrated. They, they, they didn't end the season on the right note. Uh, but when you're thinking about how did they go to Tampa, which had the best home record, sweep them, then go to Baltimore, which had the best overall record, sweep them, then go up against the defending champs, uh, Houston, which has been the consecutive World Series, and beat them in seven games. The number one answer on my list and we'll see what you think about this, is Bruce Bochy. And Bruce Bochy is the man to me because he did a couple of things. Number one, and I haven't, you tell me, I haven't really seen this that often. And I'm thinking about the guys I've seen cover sports. That dude is about, his resting heartbeat must be like 35. Like, he don't never get excited per se. He never overreacts. 
when they lost 16 of 20, you could tape his press conference every day, and it was basically, we got a good ball club. We'll come out tomorrow and play a good game and see if things turn around. Never panicked. Uh, never ripped his guys who were slumping. I mean, he was just the that steady, calm influence in the, lo- in the clubhouse. And I think that played a big role in keeping everything settled. Uh, no panic. No very, everybody getting excited. The message he sent out to the media and to the fan base was always the same. We got a good ball club. We're just struggling right now. These guys will turn it around. I believe in them. And the other thing is, man, he did uh, he did that thing in terms of managing the club. Evan Carter, who the Rangers players refer to as our little savior. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do their little pray hands whenever he does something. He did what you should do with a young phenom, put him in the nine hole. But as they got better and the team was winning and he was producing, he moved him to the five hole. As they produced more, he put him in the three-hole for this series. 21 years old, in the big leagues for a month, and you say, you know what? Conventional wisdom says I should move this cat, but I look at how he's playing, and you know what? To hell with conventional wisdom. I'm put him in the three-hole. Last night, he's in the three-hole. He comes up with the bases loaded, a 4-2 lead, and what does he do? Delivers one of the biggest hits of the game, two-run double, it makes it 6-2. Now you got room to breathe. And then he scores on the next batter, Adolis Garcia, singles to left, and it's 8-2, just like that. Uh, so he, get, he did that move. He figured out that, oh, I don't have but a couple pitchers I trust <laughs> in the bullpen. Spores and LeClerc really – because Chapman's out of the tree of trust. You found that out two days ago when he asked, uh, when he asked LeClerc to get a five-out save instead of going to Chapman. Uh, but the way he maneuvered around the rotation, man, that day where he started Haney and Dunning against Baltimore and got the win, dude, that kind of stuff right there is just a manager just going with his vibe, going, you know, and just making it happen. And so I think when you look back at the Rangers, a lot of their postseason success – it's been about Bruce Bochy. And last night, how about this, man? Scherzer is good. Oh, let me let me take that back. Scherzer was solid, but they were starting to bang him around. All right? They had the Altuve double to lead it off. Then Bergman took him deep. Um, he had a good pitch, but Alvarez tripled off the wall. There's two outs. Again, man, to me, he's only throwing 44 pitches. Conventional wisdom says that Scherzer... He's a three-time Cy Young Award winner. He's a World Series champion. I don't question his guts. He's had some swing and misses in this game. You could leave him in there and nobody would, give, nobody would look at you funny. Instead, he went and got him and said, I'm going to bring in the best pitcher I have on my staff right now. Not the best reliever, the best pitcher, Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery gets the next batter to line out. Score stays 4-2. He pitches two scoreless innings. During those innings, the Rangers go from 4-2 to 8-2. That move right there, man, that bridge using Montgomery as a bridge on the day he was supposed to throw a bullpen, so he had about 50 pitches in his arm. 
That, to me, was a master move because Dusty Baker didn't have Justin Verlander ready. Didn't even go to him. Didn't he, he wasn't even an option in his mind. And the game got away from him right then. And so, to me, Bruce Bochy did that thing. And he's a huge reason, the number one reason, why the Rangers uh, are in the World Series. Thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, it's the environment. It's kind of. I'm gonna piggyback off of what you said. It's kind of the environment that you make that you create, um, the expectations and pressure. Okay, the Rangers didn't have no expectations after the way they season ended, like you said, right? And then you went through the litany of people right. that like the Tampa Bay and the Orioles. They all all the pressure and all the expectations was on those other teams. So the Rangers, the Rangers kind of cruised cruise through there because nobody expected them to do nothing. Nobody, you know, nobody took them serious until it, seriously until it was too late. That's my, that's my thing with them. Uh, Bruce Bochy, like you pointed out, he was pretty good at what he did, but, man, just keeping them guys level and not, you know, going nuts when things happen, that, that, creates, that creates a good, uh, good environment. So yeah, I'm kind of piggyback over what that's my thoughts too. When you was naming all the stuff about Tampa Bay and the other teams, I was like, yeah, all the pressure is on the other side. No, you, you um, I think I think you're right. Um, if you look at the way Houston played, I think we talked about this. Um, I think we talked about this the other day. We said if they can get Game Six, now that's a hard one to get. If you could get game six, all the pressure is on the Astros. Well, they're the ones supposed to win. They, you know, this team, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. This team reminds me of the 92 Cowboys, where all the pressure was on San Francisco and the other team. Dallas was an up-and-coming team. You know, and, and they went to San Francisco. And what my man saying. Right. What did, what did Jimmy say? And put it in six-inch letters or whatever. We're gonna beat San Francisco. Six-inch headline. There you go. Right. It was no. It was no. No pressure on the Cowboys. They was up and coming. They was ahead of schedule, so to speak. And uh, right, right. That's that's what this team. That's what this team reminds me of. Like you said earlier this this year. Next year is gonna be a different animal. But this year, the they the lovable, you know, excitable. <laughs> The 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 everybody is getting to know them and man next year it's gonna be a big deal so I'm hoping they get it done and uh, it just reminds me of the the magic of this season reminds me of that '92 season if people can remember that the Cowboys was up and coming hell I was overseas and I watched them get their ass whooped by Detroit and man I was mad I mean it's like three o'clock in the morning watching them get beat by Detroit and when I came back. Here in '92ish, and watching them do right. their thing, it was an incredible ride to watch, and that's what this reminds me of. Um, you know, that's a that's a good point because this is a you know one of the reasons this team looks well. Let me put it like one of the reasons you can feel like this is about to start their window because remember what we keep saying they're a year ahead of schedule, but one reason we can say that this is about to start their window is. If you look at Haim, he's 28. You look at uh, Nathaniel Lowe, he's 27. They, those are still controllable players for the Rangers. Uh, Simeon and Seager are your two veterans in the middle of, the, uh, the middle of your infield. But Seager's still only 29. Um, Josh Young is a rookie. He's 25. Uh, 
then you got uh, Garcia. He's 30. He's still controllable. Tavares is a rookie. Now you got Evan Carter. He's a rookie. Mitch Garver is 32. He'll probably leave in the offseason. Probably somebody's going to pay him to be a catcher and be a everyday hitter. Uh, but that's a lot of youth, man, on this team that's getting invaluable experience right now and is uh, only going to make them, I think, more lethal uh, coming down the road because, um, again, they're getting a taste of winning now. And if you can – this is baseball, so there's no salary cap. You can get the people that you want paid, get paid. And because of the way the rules are, um, you know, people aren't eligible for free agency for a minute. So you, they still got time to, to be in control of these guys for several, uh, several more um, – Years and that gives them a chance to build around with kind of a set budget because you know what you got, know what you got. So they are uh, they're gonna be a problem for a minute, man. Um, I think, but it all to me it all starts with Bo with Bochi. Um, the next reason why they're in the playoffs, I mean why they're in the World Series, and I and again I'm not breaking any news with this man. Jordan Montgomery, and he, and he, and Nathan Evaldi, they've been they've both been spectacular. And uh, if you're going to get that kind of uh, pitching from those guys at the top, they're going to start, what, four out of seven games. And so it's not that you expect them to win every game, but they're going – it's just like Jordan Montgomery the other day. They didn't win, but no, he gave them a chance to win. Uh, he provided that opportunity for them. And, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, they've just both been spectacular here in the playoffs. And uh, it's, uh, you know, think about Jordan Montgomery, man. It's during the regular season. He had 11 starts. He pitched six or he pitched into the seventh or the sixth or the seventh in all but one of them. In the playoffs, except for that start against Baltimore where he got banged around a bit, but they still won 11 to eight. He's been almost untouchable. Uh, and so when those two guys give you a chance to win, then, uh, you know, dude, you got something to work with. And I don't think that's going to change in the World Series. I think both those guys are locked and loaded right now. Uh, Montgomery's got a 3.4. I'm sorry, Montgomery's got a 2.16 ERA. Uh, now, let me see. What is that? He's got a 1.99 ERA in the playoffs, bro. That's ridiculous. Uh, and the thing is, he's pitching with people in, in with runners in scoring position. He's been really good uh, because he's still had a loss of base runners, 33 hits in 31 innings. But, again, a lot of that was when he got smacked around Baltimore in his one start there. But against Houston, he was lights out. He got three wins. And, uh, again, with those guys at the top of the lineup, uh, especially Valdi, who now believes he's like the greatest postseason player in baseball history. And what I mean is, and you know this, man, as a former athlete, when you believe you're that man, you're that guy, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says or what anybody else does. When you believe it truly that you're that guy and then your teammates start to believe it, that's a beautiful thing because you get a guy who's pretty much been average in his career during the regular season, but he turns into Superman during the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Does that remind you of anybody? Superman is Reggie Jackson. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know who, you know who came to my mind, real talk. Was Eli Manning oh, average at best oh. in the regular season? Oh man! Yeah, and in the playoffs, he turned into something different. I mean, he' gonna be in the Hall of Fame because of his playoff performance. Because his his regular season performance, 
Awful it sometimes. is truly, truly average at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Downright awful at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true that. That's a good uh, example. But, but in the playoffs, he turned in something else. Now, Evaldi's been a little better than that during the regular season. Yeah. But his regular season don't don't compare at all to his postseason. It don't look like they match up at all. Yeah. Look like they're the same guy. And um, the confidence, I mean, you know, he's, he, I've heard him talk about it a couple of times lately. It's just like, I love the playoffs. I love the moments. I love that pressure. And you'd be like, well, how come you can't turn that down like that during the regular season? You'd be the man. But you can't. It's just a, you know. There's no explanation for it other than your focus is uh, is more defined. I don't think that's the right word. You're just more focused and more determined because you know what's at stake, and you can't simulate that during the regular season because it's not the same. No matter how much you can say, just like practice is not the same as a game, no matter how hard you make practice, no matter how intense you make it, practice is not the same as a game. And the games, the regular season games, well, like – you know, and it, it goes like this because I heard football players talk about it a, a lot. But if you talk about baseball, spring training is not the same as the regular season, no matter how much you try to make it. And the regular season is not like the playoffs, no matter how much you try to make it. So I think that's what uh, what Evaldi has done. Uh, but I think when you look at Evaldi and Montgomery, that gives them two weapons at the top of the rotation. Uh, you keep hoping Scherzer – I mean, Scherzer missed 37 days. Um, he's doing what he can. He looked better to me last night than he did in the first start, and you just hope that his next start against Philadelphia is better, and uh, you hope that he gets two of them because that means that'll be a long series. Uh, and then if you go, so if you look at why the Rangers are in the World Series, there's Bochy, there's the top of the rotation with uh, Montgomery and Evaldi, and then, man, if we're talking about why they're in the World Series, it's Seager and Garcia. Uh, those guys have both been phenomenal in the playoffs. Seager, he started slow in this series, uh, but the last two games, he turned it up when it mattered most. And it started to me in game six when he didn't get the outcome that he wanted, but that dude hit a couple of rockets that went right at people. And in baseball, because I remember when Ryan Washington telling me this one time, um, I think I told this story before. I don't know if I told it to y'all, but there was a left-hander, not Josh Hamilton, at the plate. It was a guy who struggled against left-handers. And watched, and the guy, if I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember it, but the guy was like 0 for 2 or 0 for 3. A left-hander was on the mound. It was a key situation in the game. And Washington left him in to face the pitcher, uh, who's, who was a lefty, as opposed to getting a pinch hitter. And he had a quality pinch hitter on on the uh, on the bench who killed left-handers, so of course the guy pops out or strikes out or something, and um, after the game the media's crushing watch. Why would you let him hit? Blase, blase, blase. And he gave whatever his political answer was. He said that's so how I baseball. stayed around. He said that's how baseball go, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. But I remember, I remember hanging around because I did this all the time with Wash. I would wait till everybody left, and I say, "Okay, dog, now what really happened?" And he said, "Let me tell you why I did what I did." He said he didn't have a hit in them first three at bats, but his swings were were sensational. He was right on it. He just wasn't getting the result, but his swing was great. He had a lot of confidence that I hadn't seen in him against left-handers today. 
And so I said to myself, if I leave him in in this at bat and he gets a hit, that thing could just turn for him right now and he might go on a tear against lefties because he feels so good and so confident. He said, but that didn't happen. He made an out. It is what it is. We lost the ball game. I was taking a chance that if he got a hit, it would turn his season around. And that's why I did what I did. Well, see, that made sense to me. And so as that relates to this, what I'm saying is Seager wasn't getting those hits in game six. But I'm telling you, he had to feel great about the at-bat. Everything went good except the result. I stayed. I quit chasing. I waited for them to come to me, swung at a pitch I could handle, hit it right on the button. I just happened to hit it on right to somebody twice. So, you know, when you're in game seven, it's a lot of pressure. Everybody's like, how can we get that first run and just whew, take that big exhale? Man, that dude waited four pitches. And he, uh, uh, dog, he turned on that thing and launched it upper deck. And uh, we talked about it last night for a minute. But to me, that told everybody, like, we finna win this thing. Let's go. Uh, any doubt any of y'all might have had, don't worry about it. I got it. Let's go. And, dude, uh, that's one, those are my favorite moments in sports where you can see a guy who is a star because he is a star who's being paid like a star at $32 million a year. So he is a star. He's being paid like a star. And that dude played like a star all year long. And in the biggest game of the year thus far, because there are bigger games to be played, the biggest game of the year, the one that meant the most, a true must win or go home. What'd he do? Set the tone with a 440-foot don't-fuck-with-me home run. And I think that rattled uh, Christian Javier, though. I think it really rattled him because uh, uh, they just torched him after that and got him out the game. And this guy who's uh, been a stud in the postseason for his career. So you got Seager doing his thing the entire playoffs. And then you got Garcia, man. And Garcia, to me, is evolving into one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, because he has so much fun playing the game. I love guys who really play with real emotion, not fake emotion. And, uh, dude, he's he's just a ball of kinetic energy. And, um, shoot, he must have had about six putouts the other day. He's got a great arm. He throws guys out on the bases all the time. But his bat, um, starting with that homer in game five that gave them the lead uh, that they eventually lost, then swinging from his ass, trying to hit a homer on every pitch. I love the way he figured out how to calm himself down on that fifth at bat in game six and hit the grand slam that opened it up. But, duh, when you look at his performance yesterday, don't just get caught up in the hits and the RBIs. I mean, you can get caught up in it, but think about what he did, how he did it, because that, to me, is the most impressive thing. Like, that first trip up, he bangs it off the top of the wall. He thought it was gone, and it wasn't. He tried to admire it. You got to make sure it's out before you admire it. But he turned on it, is my point. All right? Next time up, um, he goes with a pitch, which he doesn't do often. But he was so locked in, he went with the pitch and, and drove that thing out to right field. Home run. Next time up, it's 6-2. to two. Can I tell y'all something? Let's just keep it real now. 
we've seen the Rangers bullpen blow leads. I'm like, no lead is really safe. Just, just not. Just, just not. So it's six to two. Runners on second and third. I'm like, six to two is nice. The game is not over at six to two. It's just not. Because the Astros, the way they're hitting that place with Altuve and Bregman and Alvarez, that's, that lead is not enough. Six to two is not enough. Matter of fact, I tweeted out that I thought it, the Rangers would need at least seven runs to win. And this is when the score was uh, four, to, four to two or four to one. At some point right then, I was like, it's probably four to two because I was like, the Astros are not done. Scherzer doesn't have a whole lot. Uh, they're going to need more than four runs to win. They're probably going to need seven. So you got the home of the, you got this long single to left off the top of the wall. You got a home of the right. Dude, then he dribbles a single to left on the ground. And I'm like, dude, he, he, you know, he did. Then you can say you're lying now, man. He, he did what the game asked him to do. At that particular moment, the game didn't ask him to hit a home run. At that particular moment, second and third, and a chance to blow the game open, he did what the game asked him to do. Put the ball in play. It found a hole. Eight to two. That's essentially the ball game. And then the cherry on top, the majestic homer to left to end it. Dude, that, that bat is all around performance. Sensational. Here's the only downside. Do you know what the only downside is? What's that? Did they, did they got to take about three days off? Yeah. That's hot. really the downside. Because yeah, they hot. They hot. <laughs> they are confident. They feel good. They, the Rangers be like, uh, we'll go up right now. We'll go take a flight to Philly. And whoever win that game, we'll play them tomorrow. And let's just start the worst. We don't even care what we play. We, we just want to keep playing. That's how hot Garcia is. That's how hot this team is. And so uh, they probably like, damn, I wish we could play today. Uh, but Garcia and Seager. They did that thing. Two All-Stars played like All-Stars at the game's biggest moment. And uh, that, to me, is uh, why the Texas Rangers are in the World Series. Um, there's one other reason I'm going to mention, and I'm not going to go into deep detail on it. I'm just going to keep it uh, pretty quick, in part because I haven't done all the research required. But I will say this, dog. You know what this Texas team does better than the any Texas team I've seen in a long time, they play defense, man. Uh, if you watch this series, I don't even know how many errors they made in the, in the seven-game series. I don't know how many. I can only remember like one or two errors they made. They make the plays 99% of the time that they're supposed to make, which is really what you want. And then a few times between Tavares and center and Young at third, Simeon at uh, second and Carter and left, they'll make some plays you didn't think they could make. Uh, but the fact that they make, for the most part, all the plays you're supposed to make, that to me is, uh, is one of the best things that they do. And it's one of the reasons why, they, why they've won and why they've been so consistent all year. They play really good defense for the most part. Uh, every every team has a bad day at the office. Every team uh, has some errors here and there. But for the most part, they play really good defense. And um, when you put that, especially with the pitching that they have, which is not great, you need to get all the outs that you're supposed to get. Uh, they've done that. 
And um, I think that's a big reason why they're in the World Series. So to, to uh, just review it real quick for you, it's Bruce Bochy, it's Montgomery Evaldi, it's Seager Garcia, it's defense. To me, that's why your Texas Rangers are in the World Series with a chance to bring home the first championship in franchise history. And that, to me, would be wild if that happened. Now, I do have some bad news for me personally. I just saw this. We talked about it last night, but I didn't know. I believe games one and two are Friday and Saturday in Arlington. I'm credentialed for it, but, dog, I'm not going to be there. I am sad about that. I'm going to be in uh, L.A. watching Colorado play UCLA on uh, Saturday. Had, I, had we known this earlier, I'd have scheduled a, like a butt crack Saturday morning flight, get out to L.A. And, and watch game one. But who could predict that the Rangers were going to the World Series? I'm not going to tell y'all that big lie. And that's what it would be. Uh, so anyway, World Series starts uh, Friday in Arlington. Um, good luck. I mean, check this out. How much? Well, I don't know. How much would you spend to go to the game, man, if money was kind of not an object to you? Uh, that's a big-ass if. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of money is... <laughs> I, man, I'm gonna tell you, it's, I'm I'm out of touch with that stuff. Um, I don't know. I, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I don't, I'm out of touch with that because I want to say maybe three hundred. Am I sitting in the nosebleeds at three hundred? I don't know. What 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 do we? Get put, give me some. Um, um, three hundred. I don't think three hundred. You might well go spend that at Texas Live, watch it on the big TV. Okay, with there you go. See, I'm out of touch with that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I don't think because one of my friends asked me at the gym this morning, and I said I can I can give you my boy number he can get you a ticket. Matter of fact, you know what, man? Let me uh, we'll come back to this. Let me um, call. Uh, let me send my boy a text. He's a professional ticket broker. Uh-huh. Back in the day, we used to call them scalpers. Yeah, uh, I know some guys like that. <laughs> I know somebody. Me, uh, I know somebody uh, who's in the media that used to give me free tickets. The dog. That's when I used to get them free. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's been a minute. Uh, no, one of the greatest things I used to do. We used to have season tickets at the the morning news when I was there. They used to have season tickets for the Rangers, for the Mavericks, and for uh, the Cowboys and for the Stars. Um, and I would uh, I would always go in there and I was I would say hey can I get I would ask for like you know two two tickets to or two or four tickets to two or three different games and you know some tickets to the stars some tickets to the rangers and a lot of times I would give them sources or people I was trying to build relationships with. No, uh, no, and then the no, other time, no, no, and then no, the other time I would no. give them to my. Let's, 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 let's be real. Let's be real. I am, can I finish my story before you cut me off? Okay, go ahead. Sometimes I gave them the sources. Sometimes I gave them to my family. Sometimes I gave them to my friends. I I never got no cowboy tickets because you know why? Because they no. Was, I they said was, I didn't get cowboy tickets. Yep. Yeah, you did. The cowboy tickets was 
we we had an agreement on the cowboy tickets. The cowboy tickets was uh, favorite tickets, like you said, the relationship building tickets. But I'm, I'm trying to give you your flowers here. It don't sound like it, okay? But uh, no, on the, the real, damn show don't. Well, it's, I'm getting there. On the real, uh, I got all kind of tickets: Maverick tickets, uh, Ranger tickets. Uh, it was understood that the cowboy tickets was the favorite. You know, that was the favorite stuff. You know, the relationship building stuff. But uh, I, I remember a time where we where we met at a steakhouse and you was supposed to give me some tickets and you pulled out nine things, a chapstick and some change and some lint and all this <laughs> other stuff. And you was like, man, I cannot find the tickets to the Grizzlies. I don't, I'm sorry. And I was like, dog, don't worry about it. And you was, you felt bad because you couldn't find those tickets. And I don't remember where you found them, but you found them later and you and you, and, and you actually showed them to me later, but it was like, man, it was one of them moments, but yeah, before the uh, Mark Cuban era, mostly we got tickets, and then with the uh, with the uh, what is that uh, the era where Dirk and, and and Steve Nash came, a lot of tickets too. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been it's been a good run with that. I, I enjoyed no, they, that. No, they was they was flowing. Now I'm here. I'm here to tell you, I really. I remember getting cowboy tickets from the office one time. Yeah. One time. Uh, and I gave those to uh, uh, AJ, my dude, and his mom. And they went to the game. Uh, I really don't remember getting mad cowboys tickets any other time. Uh, because those were so far up the food chain. I really wasn't even big enough to ask for them. And I could get all the other kind of tickets I needed. Um, well, we talking, I'm uh, talking Texas Stadium. I'm talking Texas Stadium. I'm talking no, about before, I, no, that's before, what I'm talking about. before AJ, when the Cowboys were bad. No, that's, no, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. No, AJ went to a, uh, he went to a game, because uh, I got a picture. He wearing a Batman t-shirt. Um, but that's the only tickets they ever got to a Cowboys game. Unless it was preseason game, because <laughs> you know kids they don't really know the difference between preseason and regular season uh, until they get to a certain age. Uh, but uh, my greatest that reminded me of my greatest thing. So when we got when when we got uh, when the morning I'm I'm taking the exit here because this is a funny story to me. When we got uh, at the morning news, just as the just as the economy was going a little wacky in the newspaper business was getting a little wonky, they sent out an announcement that said, we are no longer getting season tickets to any of the local teams. If you would like to pick up the season tickets that we currently have and purchase them yourself, you can do that. So you know me, duh. I went into the office and I said, hey, um... We had 10 seats to the Cowboys. I said, a couple of my friends want to get them for their family. Can I do that? They said, yeah, we don't care. I said, so can I buy all 10 seats? They said, yeah. They said, how much is it? To the best of my knowledge, it was about $10,000. Because, again, this was 20-something years ago. I said, okay, uh, let me make sure my friends want to do it. And it's all good. 
Well, you know who my friends were, right? Me, myself, and I. So I bought those 10 tickets. But before I bought them, I called a dude and I said, hey, if I got 10 sick tickets at the 50-yard line at Texas Stadium, how much will you pay me for that? He said, you got 10? I said, don't be asking me all that. If I got this, how much will you pay me? And he told me, I said, okay, uh, I'm, I've got those. I'll have them for you tomorrow. He said, okay. And so, dog, I literally went and bought the tickets. Um, and then I immediately left there and uh, took it to that guy and gave him the tickets and collected my money and put it in the bank. And I wanted to get tickets at AT&T Stadium in those same seats, but dude, they had put, they had attached personal seat licenses to the tickets, which means you can't just buy the ticket, you gotta buy the seat. I mean, it's, it's significantly more expensive, significantly more expensive. There's no way in the world I could afford that. So that's why I did what I did. It was a good leak. When you preface uh, something. But that's my ticket story from when you preface something, 25 years ago. When you preface something with this is a funny story. I guess it was a business story. It wasn't a funny story. Yeah, it got to be funny. That wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't funny. <laughs> Your reaction is funny now because yeah. it's true. It wasn't funny. It's more of a, it's more of a yeah. business story. But I'm a, uh, I'm, hey, how about this? I will have some tickets to the Dallas Mavericks this year and uh, I haven't figured out yet exactly how I'm going to do it but we're going to give away a pair at least one pair maybe two pair of really 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 good seats and parking pass to a Mavericks game this year on the show you're going to have to register for it we're going to have a drawing or something but cool. we're going to do that at uh, at some point uh, soon for uh, for the Mavericks this year uh, so that somebody who listens to Jock Talk will be going to a Mavericks game, and then maybe they will have a funny story to tell about it. Well, like about I always, that. I always say that, it, that your journey is my journey. When the part of the perks of putting up with your ass for thirty years was the time when, <laughs> when at a time where it was like I'd get a phone call, hey man, you want some? Um, you, I think you would like walk by the deal when you was leaving. Hey man, I got some uh, Ranger tickets, or I got some. Some some stars tickets or I got some that was that was a beautiful thing man but a lot of times I was working a lot and I couldn't go but it was always cool you know where where the, right, right. the, the ticket perk was a good deal man and I got some of the best range of tickets I ever had in my life so it's all good it's all good uh, speaking of Mavericks they open up the season uh, Wednesday uh, against San Antonio Spurs. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about basketball because that's a long season. It don't really start. I'm, I'm saying this in jest, of course. It don't really start until February with the All-Star break. And we know in basketball, it's all about the playoffs. The regular season is just jockeying for position to the playoffs and whether you can get home court for game seven. Uh, the Mavericks uh, have playoff expectations. They should be fun with Luka Doncic, who's one of the best in the league, with Kyrie Irving, who's one of the best in the league. And uh, we'll see, because last year was a very disappointing season for them. Uh, it was a bad all the way around, underachieved, poor performance. And so uh, we'll see if they, can, uh, if they can play better this year. 
and there may be a little scandal involved with the uh, with the marriage. I'm hearing, and this is not reported. This is what I'm hearing that there's a little drama between the GM Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd, and so uh, that's going to be something to watch all season and just see how it plays out. See if we can detect anything going on that's preventing going on in the front office and behind the scene that's preventing your Dallas Mavericks uh, from winning games. Uh, now let's uh, you know what Doug? before we uh, before we hit football, let's take a quick little trip around the block. So, I saw this thing on TikTok the other day, and I'm just, uh, uh, I'm interested in your, your opinion of it. So, there's a TikTok going around, and it's about this, this, this young woman. She looks like she's in her early to mid-20s. She's uh, delivering groceries to a couple. The couple has paid for the groceries. They're in her car. She's delivering the groceries. She's unpacked half of them or three quarters of them. And the lady is uh, preparing. The lady and her husband are preparing to take the groceries in the house. And the woman says, "Uh, before you pick that up, uh, how much are you tipping me? And the woman says, I'm not tipping you. And she said, what do you mean you're not tipping me? She said, I bought the groceries, $400 worth of groceries. I paid the service fee. I paid, you know, I paid whatever my obligation is. I did it. Oh, I'm sorry. And she offered a tip. And whatever it was, the woman said, well, that's not enough. And then she proceeded to put the groceries back in the car and say, I'm going to take them back because you're not tipping enough. And somebody else can deal with you because I don't want to deal with you. And I just thought to myself, a tip is not a service fee to me. And I've worked in this, I've worked in the service industry. I was a bellman and a valet at what is now the uh, Hilton Anatole in downtown Dallas for three years when I was in high school in my first year of college. And so I understand about working for tips. I was one of the best car valets ever. Ever, because I would I would take your keys and I would sprint to the car. Not walk, not jog. I would take your keys and you would see me arms flailing, sprinting to the car. Man, to hurt. I know you're laughing at that image in your mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's what I would do. Yeah. I knew that's what you. But that's what literally. I take your keys and I'll be right back, sir. I'm gone. Yeah. I want you to feel that wind when I take off. Because I want that tip. All right? I'm now, t- I'm disappointed t- if I don't get it. I'm tipping you for that. Okay. Right. Now, for real, that, that was my approach. That's what I did. Uh, because that, that, to me, was trying to separate myself from everybody. So, I understand the service industry. I've had friends who are waiters. That's a very hard industry to be in. But I get it. Okay? But this tipping thing, man, a service fee is... You provide this service, I'm going to tip you for it. I mean, I, I did this, but there's a service fee attached to it, and so I'll pay the service fee 
that is whatever. That's kind of a form of a tip, but it's a service fee. I'm sorry, man. Tipping. I'm sorry. Hold is on, optional, on. man. I'm sorry. What? How, what, what? Old, how old do I have to be for you to think you can pick my groceries up and put them back in the car without getting your ass whooped? That's my question. You put okay, you putting uh, my pay for groceries back in the car? Duh. Duh. This, this. I wish I had saved it because I would send it to you. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, man. And this was a woman who was doing it. Who was being, in my opinion, the jerk here? The two, the two customers, the man and the woman, the man, the wife and the husband. They were being perfectly reasonable. Like we paid the service fee. I mean, we paid for these groceries. If you don't like your job or you don't want to work for a job that's where tips are a big part of it, then go get another job. Uh, but nah, man, she was putting them groceries back in, and it just got me thinking about tipping. Like I was at an event. <laughs> Um, some kind. I was at the women's football championship a couple of months ago. It was at the Ford Center at the Star, and uh, I went to the concession stand and I bought something. And they had, how much would you like to tip? And I'm like, tip for what? This overpriced chicken nugget. And then you turn around. That you all you did was turn around, grab it. From someone else and hand it to me Why do I need to tip you for that There's no service being provided And a tip was always Hey I appreciate your service I'm going to give you something for your service Because your service was fantastic So here's a little something extra for your service Mm -hmm. But anyway everybody wants a tip now bro And it is driving me nuts And now people are indignant About the amount of money that they're being tipped Uh, You know I have a hard time with it man Because I don't mind tipping and I'm very, um, I'm very mindful of tipping. Like now, this is just my personal thing. I don't really get it, and I'm interested. You probably haven't done this in a long time, so I don't know what your opinion will be. Like if I get in, a, I, I'm a, I'm, if I get in a cab back in the day, the cab is overcharging me anyway because I need a ride. Okay. I have never felt an obligation to keep, to tip a cab driver. Can I tell y'all something? I'm just going to keep it real with you. I, don't, I do it, but I don't really feel an obligation to tip an Uber driver. The service, I ask for a service. I need a ride somewhere. I'm going to pay for the ride. Okay? You tell me before I show up. The ride to the airport is $47. Okay? Well, let's be realistic. The ride from my house to the airport, $35. Okay? I agree to pay $35 because I want the ride to the airport. You're not spending $35 worth of gas to get to the airport, but the price the service of the service is $35. Okay, I'm cool with that. I agreed to it. Why do I have to pay you extra, tip you, or why should I feel obligated to tip you because you showed up on time and you got me to the airport in the amount of time that you said you were going to do because I paid for the service? And, I mean, I tip, but I don't get why, why I should feel obligated to tip for something like that. It just, it just boggles my mind. But anyway, the whole world has turned to tipping. You can't even go to the grocery store through the self-checkout. Without it popping up, hey, would you like to add a tip? Would you like to add this for chair? Like, dude, everybody's in your pockets, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a big deal nowadays where where, where tipping is crazy. Um, I think it, it depends on what kind of what kind of service you get. I mean, obviously you're gonna tip the waitress because it's based on they, you know, they it's based on you know that's that in, that's their income, it's part of their income, it's part of their wages. Right, but and the, you know that when you uh, when you when you go to a restaurant, you understand that. Yep. Yep. And so you go, okay, that's cool. I, yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. I understand that, and so I expect just your quality, good service. I don't even expect lavish service, just good service, and I'm good with that, and I'm good with tipping you on that. Uh, it's these other things where I'm just like, eh, you know. I think it's the traditional stuff, like you said, the bellhop. Uh, I didn't know you did that, but uh, yeah, I was a, I was a, a sacker at Safeway when I was in high school. And uh, I worked at Sam's Club, you know, unloading stuff up. And it all depends. You know, some people, you load stuff up and they say thank you. And you say, all right, see you later. And then some people would. There was one lady when I worked at the Sam's Club in uh, Los Colinas. Maybe right. something like that. And uh, they, uh, she, would, she would get two things of copier paper. And she would tip $20 for that. Man, you talking about people mm. getting in line. And this is like 19, <laughs> 1980-something. You're talking about people getting in line for her to tip, you know. And then there's uh, people with – I had this old man when I was at Safeway. He gave me 50 cents every time, no matter how many groceries I put in this thing. At 16 years old, <laughs> he gave me 50 cents right? to get a soda, you know. And uh, it all mm. depends, you know. And there's uh, other people that would tip. Yeah. I think it's traditional tips, and then there's tips where you, if you got the money. I got a friend of mine who tips people at McDonald's. He goes through the drive-thru. Do I do that? No. But he does. I mean, he's a big tipper. That's it. That's the way his money rolls. He got money like that. Right. So, I don't know. I think I think it's crazy when, uh, I just, I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted that an old girl put the groceries back. Duh. I, now the, I, now the I people were arguing that. with her. I paid for that. Right. The the people were telling her that they were like, We're gonna call the police because this is theft. We paid for this. And the woman was like, I don't care. I'm gonna take it back. I'm gonna make sure you get your refund and your account credited. But uh, uh but her indignation at not getting the proper amount of what she deserved to tip. Is it like how much like <laughs> Is it a is it, well? Like my can't. thing is is, is it, if it's is who did he buy it from Walmart or something? Was it Walmart or somebody? Or did they specify? Uh, I don't know, but it's, because they don't put no, they didn't specify. Well, I'm saying the last time I ordered something from Walmart, the guy drove up, he dropped stuff on the porch, and he took off. He didn't stand around right. waiting on nothing. You know, I mean, if you want to, uh, this it, woman was. This wait. woman was like, uh, I spent my time packing the groceries in the car. And then I had to unload. That's all part of the job, girl. If you don't want the job, don't take the job. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, know. don't. I don't know if you demand a tip or tip or not. I, I, I don't know about that. I, like I said, I'm, I'm hung up on that because I'm like, you, you, you putting my stuff back. I'm thinking, yeah, bro. I'm thinking you gonna be calling the police. That's what I'm thinking. I'm you ain't you ain't got to worry about you ain't got to worry about me because I'm not the one ordered the groceries. You probably gonna have to worry about my wife. I'm probably gonna have to stop. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't do nothing. I got this. I got to wait. Wait a minute. You know it's like uh, no. Yeah. You're not putting my shit back. That's not gonna happen. So I don't, right, right, that's right, crazy. Right, right. But yeah, the tip. The world is gone tip crazy. It is what it is. Uh, 
I don't know. My, I, when I go to my favorite restaurant, I make sure them people taken care of. That's it. Uh, the other stuff, I don't know so much. But yeah, I saw some. I read yeah, an article on that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean even like you know if, if you're, you know you're supposed to be tipping your barber. Yep. Uh, if you get a massage, you tip your masseuse. You know some things it's understood that you tip. Uh, but even that becomes like, how much am I supposed to tip in all of this? I mean, it's, you know, uh, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Some of it depends on how pleased you are with your service. And uh, but anyway, but this uh, this whole tipping thing and that just triggered me, man, because I was like, so you just going to demand a tip? You're going to demand I pay you like, girl, shut up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's a uh, that's our trip around the block uh, for this episode of Jack Talk. Uh Let's take a very quick look at the Cowboys. Um, I'm interested in this, man. So San Francisco, without Debo Samuel, without Trent Williams, they lose to San Francisco. I mean, they lose to Minnesota last night. Uh, Philadelphia put that thing on Miami. They are six and one. Uh, Philadelphia, San Francisco, when healthy, to me, are the two best teams in the NFC. Um, I, I really like Detroit. I don't care that they got thumped this week. Everybody, it seems, gets thumped once a year. Um, I think Detroit, to me, right now, on a neutral field, I might take Detroit over Dallas. I might on a neutral field. Uh, but to me, Dallas-Detroit is kind of a toss-up for that third or fourth spot. Uh, how do you see your Dallas Cowboys heading into this second half of the season? Where do you think they fit in the NFC? I think the Cowboys probably I'm gonna take the Cowboys over Detroit because Detroit got they gotta prove it to me. I if you put Dallas four, I'd put I'd put Dallas third because man, everything changes, you know. Um it, I think that San Francisco is a Dallas problem. They not a they not an NFL problem. I think uh Okay, I buy that. And I think the Cowboys I think the Cowboys got a good chance in the NFC East because even though Philadelphia is a six and one, they quarterback wearing a knee brace right now. All that touch pushing yes. and that fourth and one stuff, that boy walking around limping and he ain't playing right. They got to quit using him. I mean, I don't care what they do because it's Philadelphia, but I care about the game. So they got to quit using him like he's Superman. Quit running him like that. Cause he can't, he ain't playing right. Cause his legs ain't right, and that ties into his throwing, you know. And uh, he he walking around with a knee brace, all that old fourth and one and touch pushing and all of that is banging him up. And they run them quarterback draws, and he playing like he in high school. And I think that gives the Cowboys a chance to catch him, because if that guy's hurt, they're a whole different team. And who's the backup? Is it Mariota? Yep. Is Mariota's the backup? I'm not sure. You know what? I ain't gonna lie to you. I can't remember. Who yeah, I think it might be Marcus. But either way, you know, without without Jalen, they're not gonna be that good. So we got a chance to catch him if they keep banging that boy up, and that's what happened last year. They, you know, they they playing him. He's he, he's such a physical player. They're gonna have problems, and that bodes well for the Cowboys if you gonna if you gonna keep playing them like that. Um, I don't know the 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 the, the schedule look very bad for them until we let things play out because Miami can be beat Buffalo can be beat um, yeah 
I think the Cowboys. I know. Let's let's see what happens in a week, cause you know if this thing changes from week to week. But I think they're in good shape at four and two. You know, they ain't the expectations. You know, I think they they kind of uh, if they do that uh, where they analyze themselves, they might realize. You know what? Hopefully now they realize we got to play every week. We got to put our best foot forward every week. We can't come out flat. We got to play. And I think if Dak keep playing uh, physical, and what I mean is running, getting dirty, I wonder, I'm I'm trying to think, we got to look up the stats where maybe the running game, when he gets involved in the running game, he's probably a better player. And I hate to see Yeah, when Dak run the ball six, seven times, seems like the Cowboys, Cowboys get down. And he not as he not as jumpy in the pocket. Um, I just I think uh, I think they're in good shape if they continue to play like that because he can't run the system as is, you know the way they running it. I think is if the more he improvises, the better they gonna be. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see because uh, Mike McCarthy talked about you know or Brian Schottenheimer talked the other day about whether Dak would be using his legs more. Uh, whether he'd be running more, you know, what it what it would be. Well, let me see. I'm looking up what you said. I'm trying to find what the line of demarcation is. The line of demarcation, I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, in terms of Dak running, uh, the Cowboys, well, let's look at it a couple different ways. The Cowboys are 9-0. Uh, and when he runs seven times or more. Yep. Whatever that means. But this doesn't say whether they're design runs or not. The Cowboys are, uh, this may be the better number. Let me see. And this is not even that much. Okay. <laughs> the Cowboys are 9-0 and when seven runs or more. They are um, one, two, three, thirteen and three. When he has thirty-four yards rushing or more, uh, I think that's the line of demarcation. Uh, let me see. If you go, if you if you keep it at thirty yards, they are one, two, three, four, five. They're fifteen and five when he's got thirty plus or more rushing. So I don't really know what to make, make of that because 30 yards is not a lot. Uh, seven carries is kind of a lot. If uh, he, do you, if, do you if, have any interpret? If he running the ball, that means you're probably ahead of the chains. Is what I mean by that is if you if he's not running the ball at all, you're probably behind. You probably He's probably right. throwing the ball to come from behind. But if he running for a first down and he's trying to do that, you know, not the design stuff, which design stuff still good. And and after Dak right. broke his leg, I hate to see him get hit because I hold my breath every time. But right. when he when he's running the ball, we're ahead of the chains, I think. And we getting first downs and he and he keeping drives alive. And so he's not throwing the ball as much because we're not behind twenty points or fifteen points trying to get back in the game. It's not a lot of empty yards. That's what I think. Because I always think about oh, the Tampa right. Bay. We beat Tampa Bay. I got excited to see Dak run. The, the, the play where he slid and he had dirt in his helmet. I'm jump, jumping around, running. That's the physical Dak that we missed since he broke his leg. Yeah. 
And uh, that's a deck that, uh, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how, how they use him in the second half because he, he ran – he used his legs to make plays, and he can, he can throw on a run. He's good at that. He's good at maneuvering in and out of the pocket. Uh, and you're right. If you're just going to make him a three-step, five-step system rhythm guy, you're really not using all his weapons to be successful. Uh, tough game against the Rams. The Rams are one of them uh, sneaky good teams to me Yep. Uh, because of the way they play offense. Now that Cooper Cup is back, uh, they got two receivers. They got the rookie from BYU. They got Cooper Cup. They got two guys who can make plays, uh, who can keep the, ch- the chain moving. Now, yep. what they don't have is a running game. And so I don't think the Cowboys are a team that you just want to drop back and pass and not have a running game. And so I think the Cowboys will win, but I think uh, they're going to have to score some points this week because I think the Rams will score. And so this is – you've had a week off, so – it should be a couple new wrinkles in the offense, and uh, they should be ready to go. But uh, uh, be nice. we're going to take a much deeper dive. You got to be nice to Aaron Donald. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> be nice. If you, Aaron Donald is looking for a fight. He ain't the biggest guy, but he's the strongest and quickest guy. He's looking to fight somebody. I think the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl if they didn't piss him off. You piss him off, All right, so you know, it is what it is. All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go ask uh, Tyler Biotish this week if Aaron Donald is a guy. You say, Mr. Donald? Yeah, that was a nice tackle. <laughs> and keep and keep it moving. Help him up, yeah, help him up. I can tell you yep. some stories about pissing good players off because I talked a lot of oh, noise. Tell us one right quick. Okay, uh, Lincoln Coleman, former Dallas Cowboy, played for the uh, Dallas Colts and. Uh, I would tackle him. Just before he got to the NFL or after the before NFL? He got to the NFL? Before he got to the NFL. He played semi-pro ball. Right. I played against him. And we would uh, – we we was up for him because he was a big, strong guy. He was – I mean, he was tough. And uh, I was middle linebacker and I had two other guys. We played a 4-3. But anyway, I would hit him. They, they, they ran a bad offense. I would hit him. I would tackle him. You ain't going nowhere. Next play, he would run, break three or four tackles, get about twenty yards. And my my uh, my fellow linebacker Jack Brazil goes, "Man, listen, why don't you shut the hell up? Because every time you talk to him, he just run harder the next play. He just gets more pissed off. So the next three plays we ran against them, I tackle him. Hey, man, good run, man. Do you know that big joker helped me up? Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that." <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, man, it's good. Hey, 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 thank you. That was a good tackle. And I was like, you know what? After that, it was, hey, man, how you doing today, man? Man, man, you strong. See what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to shut the hell up and let the, you know, just, just be nice to somebody that, that's using that fuel for fire. So, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, that's, that's a story I could tell. Or I could tell you how he, 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 uh, he caught a swing pass. And I tried to kill him on the sidelines, and I hit him, and I slid down. Like, you know how you hit a telephone pole and you slide down? I hit him, <laughs> I hit him, and uh, he and I moved him like two inches, and he stepped out of bounds, and I slid down. And the funny thing about it is later on, me and my wife was having dinner. And she said, man, I saw that time where Lincoln had the ball. They, sw- they swung the ball, they threw the ball to Lincoln, and you ran over there, and you hit him so hard, and he barely moved. 
I said, yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Let's 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 put this stuff in the box and go home. But uh, yeah, yeah, for real. But we don't piss people off. That's good. That's what I'm saying. And Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald uh, is that dude. Nah, yeah, he is. Uh, so it'll be a good matchup. See if uh, the Cowboys can keep him from uh, disrupting their game plan, and if they can get a dub. Uh, this week against the Rams and set up a big time, big time, big time uh, showdown with Philadelphia Eagles. I think that's on Sunday night TV. So that'll be uh, that'll be fun. Although you never know, man, because uh, well, actually, they're not moving the NFL game, but we might be in the midst of uh, Rangers Phillies World Series, uh, uh, Eagles Cowboys game. And dude, that's so wild. That might, uh, you know, my sister lives in Philly. That might be worth uh, taking a trip to Philly and uh, seeing it up close. I don't know that for sure yet, but it might be worth doing that. Oh, you can once do, the schedule comes you out. You can do two games at once. <clears throat> I, I can put them on the iPad and the TV. It's all good. Oh, oh yeah. I, I had them done. on. I had them on last night. I had Philadelphia and San, I mean, I had San Francisco and Minnesota on one half, and uh, Rangers. Astros on the other half. There you go. Uh, no problem. Yeah, you talented like that. Uh, <laughs> Talking about you had the iPad. You had the iPad split. Is that what you saying? Uh, no, actually, I had the TV split. Okay, we're gonna have to talk about that. But I've been I, I've been known to have uh, the TV split and one on the iPad. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely watched college uh, I football did th- like that. And then, you know, in, uh, back in the day in my game room, I had the uh, 70 inch in the middle and 255s on the side. Yeah. And both of those you could split. So that's always my, that's always what I like to do um, in a perfect world uh, is uh, have my system set up for all, all kind of game watching. Uh, and uh, one day I'll get back to that. But um, uh, before we go, I want to tell you about the, Next time you're in downtown Dallas or around downtown, so how about this? You're craving some delicious food. Go to Smokey John's Barbecue. It's at 1820 West Mockingbird. Trust me on this. Just walk in confidently. Stride right through the register. I mean, right through the line. Pick up your tray. Say, hey, I want the jam session bowl. Don't hesitate. Just say it confidently. I want the jam session bowl, please. And they're just going to look at you and say, all right, how you want it? And you tell them this. Uh, tell them I want the mashed potato base. Sometimes I like the macaroni and cheese base, but today I want the mashed potato base. And they say, yes, sir. And then tell them this, which meat you want. Speak confident and say, hey, I'm going to do like my boy JJT. I'm going to rock with that brisket and that sausage. He told me it was impeccably good. And they look at you and be like, all right. So, yeah, roll with the brisket and the sausage. Then they're going to say, you want everything on it? Just trust me. Say yes. And what that means is that gives them the go-ahead to put chives, bacon bits, sour cream, cheese, butter, all on that thing. That's right. They cover all that meat with all that stuff. And then you tell them your preference, but just say it with confidence. I want it drizzled with sauce, or I want it drenched with sauce. All right? And then enjoy it's more than enough for one it's more than enough for two if you got a little shorty all three y'all can eat off it i'm serious no different than a pride of lions eating off a llama it's that good 
And then um, it's delicious. It's the best thing you put in your mouth. It is to live for. I'm taking one of the big joint, the big rig. At some point, I can't tell you when. Sometime soon. I know he's tired of hearing about it, but sometime soon, I'm going to show up with one. And uh, check this out. You don't have to go just to Smokey John's restaurant to get the taste of Smokey John's. You can go to the website, SmokeyJohns.com. You can click on the marketplace. You can order the rub or the sauce. Have it delivered to your house in a couple days. Real talk. I've seen it happen. I've done it. Had it delivered to my house a couple days. If you need it sooner than that, H-E-B, baby. It's on the shelves. One of our listeners sent me a picture of it the other day. He had gone to H-E-B, picked some up, and was about to go home and put it to work. You, too, can do the same. So what I'm telling you is there's no excuse not to have Smokey John's Barbecue in your mouth at some point soon. You can order it. You can go to the store and buy it in H-E-B, Burleson, McKinney, Waxahachie, Frisco. They're all over Dallas, Fort Worth. So make your mouth happy. Swing by Smokey John's Barbecue and ask for the Jam Session Bowl. Uh, for us, Big Joy the Big Rig, I'm Jacques Taylor. We appreciate you listening to yet another episode of Jacques Talk presented each and every week. Uh, each and every opportunity that we come to you by Greening Law. Until we talk again, you guys be blessed.